Before we eat, I, I do want to preach. Preachers got to preach, right? That's what they say. So uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 15 today. Uh, Pastor Jesse did a great job of starting it last week. I'm going to finish it today. We're going to be in verse 36. But before we get going, I'd invite Monica Wilmot up to go ahead and read this passage of Scripture. Thank you, Monica. It is on, yeah. Good morning. I'm going to be reading Acts 15, 36 to 41. Pastor Dan asked me to read it in Spanish, so I will be doing so. <laughs> Algún tiempo después, Pablo le dijo a Barnabé, volvamos a visitar a los creyentes en todas las ciudades en donde hemos anunciado la palabra del Señor y veamos cómo están. Resulta que Barnabé quería llevar con ellos a Juan Marcos. Pero a Pablo no le pareció prudente llevarlo, porque los había abandonado en Panfilia y no había seguido con ellos en el trabajo. Se produjo entre ellos un conflicto tan serio que acabaron por separarse. Bernabé se llevó a Marcos y se embarcó rumbo a Chipre, mientras que Pablo escogió a Silas. Después de que los hermanos lo encomendaron a la gracia del Señor, Pablo partió y viajó por Siria y Cilicia, consolidando a las iglesias. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. So here we are, continuing our walk through the book of Acts. So much has happened. No way I'm going to have time to recap this. But if you do remember, Paul and Barnabas, they had that epic incredible first missionary journey. We talked a lot about that the last couple of weeks. We've talked about how now the gospel is for everyone. Aren't you thankful that it's for everyone? Because we were wondering, like, is it just for the Jewish people? Is it just for Jewish cities? But now we've seen that it's for non-Jewish people and non-Jewish cities. So thank you, Jesus, for coming for people even like me. But today, and if, as you just read, things are getting a little interesting. In fact, I would say it this way. Maybe you've heard me say this before. Uh, things are getting a little spicy. Things are getting a little spicy. Monica just read this. Paul, he goes to Barnabas. He goes, hey, Barnabas. And let's just imagine they're at the Starbucks, right? And he says, Barnabas, I got an idea. Let's go back. We're going to visit all those believers in the towns that we preached at. And we're just going to see how they're doing. Sounds like a great idea, right? But then Barnabas says, great idea. But I got another idea. How about we bring John, also called Mark, with us, right? Let's take John with us. Is Paul very happy about that idea, church? Paul's not real happy. He's like, you mean to bring the guy who deserted us, like quit on us in Pamphylia, like that guy? Barnabas is like, yeah. Paul's like, no. Barnabas is like, yeah. Paul's like, no. And it's like two locomotives on the same track going in the... Come on, you know where this is going. There's about a, co- a collision. I mean, there is about to be a train wreck. And we see it right here. Verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas. He left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I got two points for you today, and then we're going to eat. Point number one. You might want to write this down. Sometimes Christians disagree with each other. Sometimes Christians disagree with each other. Any Christians here today? Yeah, you ever disagree with another believer before? 
Don't raise your hand on this, but was it on the car ride here this morning? (laughs) It happens, right? In my own life, I've been married to my beautiful, powerful wife, Mary Birch, for 16 years, right? And praise the Lord. Yeah, you can give it up for Mary. She's amazing. Yeah, you can give it up for Mary. She's amazing. So I don't know if you've discovered, Mary and I are very passionate people. We're not just passionate people. We're passionate followers of Jesus. We're also passionate leaders in his church. But did you know that sometimes Mary and I disagree? Like not just once, not just twice. Through the years of doing ministry together, leading together, we talk a lot. And, and if you know us at all, what we talk about is this. We, we talk about church. We talk about ministry. We talk about how to do ministry. I mean, there have been hours. This is without exaggeration. Uh, we talk hours upon hours upon hours of discussion on how to navigate church, how to do church and church community. Here's just a small sample of the things we've talked about over the years. Uh, we've talked about how to do a potluck like we're having today. We talked, you know, should names, you know, A through, last names A through M be desserts and side dishes and then N through Z be main dishes? We had this discussion, well, what if people don't really, you know, come through? We could go to Safeway and buy a bunch of fried chicken. We've had that discussion. Mission strip. Should we do mission strips? Should we do short-term mission trips? Where should we do the mission trips? How should we do the mission trips? Should we support ministries? We can't support all ministries. Should we support ministries or missionaries? Which missionaries should we support? Do we send missionaries? Which ones do we send? We can't send them all. Life groups. Oh, we've had some discussions about life groups. First of all, what is a life group? Second of all, do you need to be in a life group? Who should be a life group leader? Where is a life group? Why do we even need life groups? Classes, what kind of classes? Who should be the teachers of those classes? Children's ministry, children's ministry, Sunday mornings. How long should it be? Should it be full service? Should it be half service? Should it be before service? Should it be after service? Sunday school curriculum, Sunday school teachers, Sunday school assistants, ushers and greeters. How many ushers and greeters do you need? Here's the big one we ask. Do you need to be a member to be a greeter? Or can you greet and not be a member? Worship team. Oh, over the years, how many conversations about worship team? Like, what are the qualifications? What are the requirements to be on the team? What songs do we sing? Worship volume. How loud? How soft? We've talked about what we want it to sound like, what we want it to look like, what the lighting should be, what the screen should be. Communion. Oh, man. We, we, We just talked about it this week. Communion. Do you do one cup or two cups? Do you do no cups? Do you do those weird to-go things with the plastic wafer? Or do you go fresh baked bread? Or should we be providing a gluten-free option? She says, yes. Baptisms? How often? Who actually baptizes? Here's one. The person getting baptized, do they get a certificate? No certificate or certificate? No certificate or certificate? The ones that got baptized this last time, guess what? They're getting a certificate. If you didn't get a certificate, talk to me. I'll, I'll make one. I'm so, I'm so sorry that happened. But those are the discussions we're having. Church location. Where should we have a church? Should we rent? Should we buy? Staff. Who should I hire? Who should I fire? Merges. What churches do we want to say yes to in merging? What churches do we want to say no to? Church merch. Oh, my goodness. Merchandise. We talk about should we have hats and hoodies or just hats or just hoodies? If we have T-shirts, should we have short sleeve or long sleeve or do we do both? What color is our logo? What is our logo? Is it blue? Is it gray? Is it green? Coffee. This was a discussion. Do we do Folgers or Starbucks? Folgers or... And now I think it's Black Rifle. 
Here's another one. Cookies or donut wall? <laughs> and who's going to pay for the donut wall? <laughs> Pastoral license. Who's ready to be licensed? Who isn't ready to be licensed? I think we have like 11 people here, the 12 actually now, that are uh, licensed here that attend LifeSpring. Is there even room for another person to be a pastor at LifeSpring? Dress code. What is our dress code up on stage? Is there one? Should there be one? If so, what is it? Events. What event? Who should lead the event? What outreach? Who should be an outreach leader? Do we focus on unbelievers? Do we focus on believers? Do we focus on homeless? Do we focus on young families? Or do we focus on both? Do we partner with other churches? How do we partner with other churches? Do we help out the local community center? How do we help out the local community center? Who should I ask to join the leadership team? Who should I ask to leave the leadership team? Who should lead any of our ministries? Youth, young adults, women's, men's, married couples, you name it. We've probably talked about it. Should we have another campus in another location? Who should lead that campus? How much are we going to support them? Are we even going to support them? Or here's a big one. Do we believe that women can serve in the ministry? And how are we going to support and advocate for women in the ministry? Is sexism an issue in the church? Is racism an issue in the church? Is unruly people an issue in the church? How do we handle unruly people? How do we pastor unrepentant people? How do we support people navigating the ever-increasingly mental and emotional health issues of our day? How often should I preach? How often should she preach? How often do we give opportunities for all the gifted people who want to preach? Oh, and then by the way, there's that whole other part of our life is where we're trying to make sure we have a healthy marriage and raise healthy kids who love Jesus. Oh, and then the biggest one of all, what are we going to have for dinner? Those are just a couple of the things we talk about. And do you think we've ever disagreed with each other? Mary, you can answer it. So much. So much. Church, disagreements happen. I've noticed in the past two years, there have been quite a few strong disagreements in the church. Disagreements over masks, vaccinations, racism, immigration, President Trump, President Biden. Right? That's just a small sampling of all of our disagreements. And I want to give you some instruction from the Word of God to help you process through all of this. This is actually from Ephesians 4, if you have your Bibles. In Ephesians 4, it's Paul's encouragement. And he talks about the fivefold ministry. He talks about preachers, teachers, prophets, evangelists, apostles, and how their role is to equip the saints. I love what Jesse said earlier about next level classes. That's why I started those classes. I felt the Lord said, Dan, your job is to equip the saints. And, and so Ephesians 4 does a great job of talking about that. But it also just talks about what it looks like to be a Christian. And I think in, in, in light of this topic of disagreeing with each other, this gives you some really good groundwork for how to disagree in a godly way. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. A little bit further on, he says, Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. No, you get rid of all bitterness, get rid of all rage and anger, get rid of brawling and slander along with every form of malice. You be kind and compassionate to one another, 
forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And I think that's the real key here. Be kind. Someone told me that Christians don't need to be kind. I've heard, I've heard that from more than one person lately. But that's the key. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, that needs to be true in my marriage as we navigate our disagreements. But that needs to be true here as well. Because I've noticed for us together in this room, I mean, just think of all of our different opinions, all of our different thoughts. We come from different backgrounds, different cultures. We have wildly different life experiences. So the only way for this to work is for this to be a Jesus place where Jesus is the focus, where Jesus is the center of it all, where we allow him to bring us in unity, right? Not that we're all the same. We're still wildly diverse, but there's a unity. We're united around who? Around Jesus, where with his help, with the help of Jesus, we can be kind and compassionate to one another. We can forgive each other just as in Christ, God forgave us. Because we're going to disagree. And by the way, that's a good thing. That that can be actually really healthy. We're, again, unique, unique perspectives, thoughts, opinions. It would be weird and strange if we didn't disagree from time to time. But when we disagree... It is so important that you carry the spirit and the attitude of Christ into that disagreement and into that discussion. Amen? Now, Sometimes, I think you see this in today's story, sometimes things unfold where maybe the disagreement leads to where you have to go your separate ways. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about your marriage. Uh, If you disagree in your marriage, uh, there are other things you can do. Um, Go to marriage counseling. Mary and I spent over 10 years going to marriage counseling, learning how to communicate with each other. Uh, Talk to your pastor. Talk to friends. Get help in, in those ways to learn how to walk through those disagreements. But sometimes in our interactions with our family, with the brothers and sisters in Christ, there's such a sharp disagreement that you have to part ways. And nobody enjoys this, right? Nobody wants this. But again, sometimes it happens. And at this point, church, I just say this. Everything I just read from Scripture, it still applies. Right? We've probably all had friendships, relationships with other believers. They, They become fractured for various reasons. But I cannot encourage you enough in this. If at all possible, reconcile with that person. We know that. That the Lord has given us a spirit of reconciliation. So even if you've had to take a break or you've had to pause in a relationship, I think in most situations, your heart should always be for reconciliation. But then we know that in life, sometimes boundaries have to be set where a face-to-face interaction is no longer possible. Have you had to do that? Yeah. And if you've had to do that, one, I just want to say, I'm so sorry that you've had to do that because there's a lot of hurt there. There's a lot of pain in that situation. But two, I'd also say this, don't allow your heart to grow cold or bitter toward that individual. And again, that's hard because in a lot of those situations where you've been horribly mistreated, it's tough to do that. But as much as you can, allow Jesus to give you his heart, right? Allow him to give you his compassion for that person. And by the way, I don't think this is something that happens overnight. Often it's a journey. There's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. But as much as you can, keep your heart soft towards the Lord, but also keep your heart soft toward others. 
I love that line where he says, get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the rage, the anger, the brawling, the slander, along with every form of malice. See, though maybe you aren't able to safely be in contact with another person for various reasons, but in your heart, you want to make sure you've allowed Jesus to remove every form of malice. Malice, that's an important word. Please, if you are tracking with me, listen to what I'm about to say. Because malice, think of where malice comes from. It doesn't come from the Lord. With malice, we're talking about spitefulness. With malice, we're talking about having ill will toward another person, another human being made in the image of God. It's amazing how the devil can get a foothold in your life, a stronghold in your life where you start feeling ill will towards another person, even another brother or sister in Christ, maybe even wanting harm towards that person. That spirit does not come from God. Even in today's passage, you don't see malice. I mean, yeah, they're frustrated with each other, but they love each other. Remember, it's Jesus who calls us to even love our enemies. So continue to give Jesus permission to work in your heart and to get rid of every form of malice. So again, Christians disagree with each other sometimes. And if at all possible, reconcile with each other. Forgive each other. But sometimes you have to go your separate ways. But even there, church, even there, make room for the Lord to give you his love for that person. Point number two, let God receive the glory in and through your messy situation. Let God receive the glory in your mess, Life Spring Church. Because let's be honest, what we're talking about, disagreements, arguments, conflicts, man, this is messy, messy. Messy. Uh, one of the first sermons I preached here was a sermon series called Glorious Mess. None of you were here for it. <laughs> but, like, was anyone here back then? 30, like, Kyla Ferris. Yeah, so, all right, we got like five of us were here. But Glorious Mess, it was based on a book by my friend Mike Howerton, based on the life of Jonah. Can we all agree that the life of Jonah is a tad bit messy? And yet the Lord still uses him in a mighty way, doesn't he, in that city of Nineveh? Again, it's amazing how God can take our mess and make something beautiful out of it. I mean, Paul and Barnabas separating here. This isn't a good thing. This isn't the best news in the world. These are two brothers in Christ. They have some life experiences together. They have traveled together. They have done amazing things together. So this is messy. Or or another way to think about it is it's not perfect. Right? It makes you a little uncomfortable in your own life. Can you think of anything right now in your life that maybe isn't perfect? Right? Anything that's a little uncomfortable. Maybe this message is a little uncomfortable for you. You know, I think one of the traps that we can all fall into is that we wait until everything is perfect, where all the mess is cleaned up before we ever allow the Lord to do something good in our lives. You ever done that before? But just read the Bible, church. There's story after story after story of God working in and through messy situations. Scripture tells us that when we are weak, guess who's strong? He is strong. Or we just read this. It was in our daily uh, reading, uh, a verse of the day in our Bible app. Uh, Pastor Jesse or or Debbie Mendoza, she read it this morning in our prayer time. It says that his grace is sufficient for you. His power is made perfect where? In your weakness. Again, just look at the heroes of the faith, either in the Bible or for the last 2,000 years. You do not have to have it all together to be used by God. 
Now, I will say this. If your mess is due to unrepentant sin, if your mess is due to just flat-out rebellion where you're living it up without regard to the weight and gravity of your sin, if, if you're willfully disobedient, well, then just time out. Like, this is serious. This is nothing to play around with. A rebellious, unrepentant heart, it's toxic, it's dangerous, and it will cause damage not just to yourself, but to your spouse, to your kids, to your family, to your church family, to your coworkers, to everybody around you. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is that don't wait till every little crisis and trial in your life is settled and resolved before you start living boldly for Jesus. Many of you have heard the story of when I was first hired to work at a church, 24 years old, 2004, excited, at my interview. And most, or many of you know this story. At my interview, I said, hey, I just want you to know I have a gambling addiction. Now, in that moment, I didn't say I used to have a gambling addiction. I said, I'm addicted to gambling. And I'm so thankful. My pastor, one, he didn't condone my addiction. He definitely didn't support my addiction. But he also didn't write me off because of it. What he asked me for was transparency and honesty. And I was able to make it through that season, praise the Lord, where gambling does not define my life any longer. Yeah, praise the Lord. But let's be honest. I'm going to have to be on guard for the rest of my life. Anyone that's been a part of any kind of recovery program, you know that, right? means I'm not going to be at the local casino. I'm not flying into Vegas. I'm not going to touch a deck of cards. To be honest, I don't even like to talk about my story because talking about those memories can bring up past experiences that can be very triggering. Church, can we all agree that that's kind of messy? Again, you feel a little uncomfortable today, maybe? But I want you to hear this. This is the truth of the gospel. God can handle your mess. God can handle your mess. God can handle your mess. Stop judging other people in their mess, too. Like, what the hey? That was a Christian swear word, by the way. He is strong in my weakness. In my own life, he's given me so much freedom. Do you see how happy I am? Have you seen the joy of the Lord on my face? He's given me so much life, abundant life, life spring in the midst of the mess. This simple vessel, this jar of clay has actually been through the cracks in this vessel that God has received the most glory for his name and his kingdom. Praise the Lord. And so if that's true for me, I also believe that's true for you. That's true for you. That's true for you. That's true for you. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that he's been speaking over your life. If that's true for me, it's true for you. And again, it's true in this story. Because though it's not perfect, you see Paul and Barnabas, they're not able to figure things out. They're not able to go on the second missionary trip together. Like they couldn't work it out. They couldn't travel together. But look at how God still receives the glory in the midst of the mess. Look at this. It says, Paul chose Silas and he left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia. What? Strengthening the churches. In the midst of it all, the churches were strengthened. In the midst of it all, these new believers, they're encouraged. And the kingdom of God and the good news of Jesus advances. And this is what God does, right? For 2,000 years, we have been witnessing God use imperfect people in messy situations to make his perfect love, his salvation, his glory known to the world. 
So I don't know what's currently going on in your life with the various texts and emails and phone calls I've been getting lately. I'm just going to assume you're probably facing something right now that feels a little messy. Maybe it's a conflict with a loved one, a friend, a family member. But here's what I felt led to do. We, we want to take communion and ushers at this time go ahead and begin to pass out the elements. And when you receive the elements, if you could just hold on to them for a moment, we're actually going to take it together. But as we take communion together, I really want us to use this time, one, on a personal level to examine our hearts, but also to give permission to the Holy Spirit to examine our hearts. Does that make sense? Because if there's any area where you're holding on to the resentment, the bitterness towards another person, can we allow the Lord to speak in that area today? And this is so serious to me. If you're feeling ill will, maybe malice, especially towards another brother or sister in Christ, I hope a warning light is going off. There should be a warning light that is blinking. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger, right? Use this time, church. Use this time in his presence to let go of any ill will that you've been holding on to towards another person. See, it's his body broken for you. It's his blood shed for you. And by his body broken for you and by his blood shed for you, I believe this, the Lord will help you. He is here and he wants to help you. He wants to give you the power even to forgive others as you have been forgiven. So I'd say that, but then also I want to make sure you hear this as well. If we could give God, I guess permission is a good word, but allow him, oh man, I I don't even know how to say this, but just allow him to receive the glory in your life now. Like not until you have it all you know, figured out and all the answers and all the messes cleaned up. But like right now, even if it doesn't feel quite perfect, there's so much shame that people are carrying. So much just the weight of shame that people are carrying. But I just say, if that's you, allow Jesus again. It's his sacrifice. It's his body broken for you. It's his blood shed for you. Allow him to wash you and, and just again say, God, I feel kind of like a mess. I feel a little broken. But God, would you receive glory in the mess? Again, church, listen. The Lord, His heart is for you today. The Christian life that you've been called to live. It's not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus has done. Think of it this way. There's a lot of scriptures that back this up. But when the Father sees you, He sees His Son. He sees his perfect son. He sees his blood. He sees his sacrifice. And so you can yield and surrender to Jesus again. Give permission to Jesus. Give permission to Jesus to finish what he started, right? To finish the good work that he started. And give him permission to use your life, mess and all, for his glory. So let's just be quiet before the Lord for a moment. And then we'll take communion together.
Jesus, you did what we couldn't do for ourselves. You paid the price for our sins. Your body was broken for us. By your wounds, we are healed. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We take the body of Christ together. I love that old hymn that says, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, we do not stand here on our own merits. I do not stand here on how good or bad I've been. But I stand here on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. Because you did it. The perfect Son of Man. The perfect Son of God. We thank you for your blood. The blood that takes away our sins. Let's receive together.